yeah, it's been a while since we spoke. And um, yeah, I mean, I noted your um, your training course and everything, which I nearly came on, but um, it was just too much. It's just one of those things. I thought if I sign up for this, I'm not actually going to do it. Yeah. Have you yeah. ever done that? And I thought I just that's just stupid. So maybe maybe I'll get the videos later and, and do it when I'm not. I'm going to start make it an evergreen course soon. I'm doing yeah. some branding changes and stuff, and then I'll just have it up. So do it whenever you want, sort of thing. Easy. Yeah, no, I'd really like to do it. Engage with the material and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, it went really well. I had a hundred people on it, and and people were pretty happy. I think. I found it harder than I expected. It required more energy than I expected. And one of the things is trying to translate this material to people who aren't fundamentally oriented in that way, you know, when you're trying to talk about really elusive things to people and working with the body in a way that isn't um, subsuming someone's identity and power before you've even begun, you, it requires all sorts of different language and, and nuance that, yeah I, I just it was really good and that's what I'm trying to do it was just interesting doing it with um with a big load of people really so, so yeah you had to reframe the language around reframing in order to <laughs> yeah this particular or some of this particular crowd yeah 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 because it's not just um it's not just talking about the polyvagal theory and you know I go a little bit off center with that as well which you know we did with our last chat you know from where I like to look at it but it's then asking people to really look at how they have been taught to view themselves and taught to view working with other people. And they have to unlearn a whole lot of stuff. And I just find it really similar to, I was listening to your Duncan McKay interview, but really similar to that, that separation. You know, you're so separate from yourself and that sort of thing. And so if you come from that mindset, it's, it sets up an entire orientation of how you're working with the person. And so we're, we're having to reorient at that level. And that's really, you know, you would find from your work, it's a really interesting thing to, to get people to see and see of themselves, let alone then translating that to working with other people. It's quite vast. Yeah. I mean, the thing that strikes me most in reading and listening to you talking about your work is is the the sensitivity of it and the the, the sort of facilitating something to to sort of come forth from the from the other person rather than imposing a, a plan or a structure and the funny thing is you know I'm, I'm quite familiar with that approach listening to a lot of people talk about therapy but it's it's more usually like talking therapy rather than what you're doing which is um i mean i guess you are talking but um it's not really working on that level is it no it's really hard to explain it's yeah. it's 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 quite interesting because i'll i'll talk to people who are very familiar with the polyvagal theory but work in it quite differently um, and might be a psychologist might be someone who does neurofeedback or um, people doing more Gendlin focused stuff or body oriented stuff but weirdly what I'm talking about often doesn't make sense like I'm talking what I'm doing slightly different 
and I, I can't quite even tease out what that is, but I, I, I tend, it's, I think it's why I resonate with your work because I tend to think it's the same thing. And it's uh, when I, I listen to your little thing, that your intro from starting up again this year, but you were saying something about David Attenborough and how annoying it was. And I just, I don't know. You have to bear with me. I haven't, I haven't had much sleep, as I said. But the, there's just this way of giving into the wilderness of the body that's the same as giving into the wilderness and then you're the same and there's a lack of direction there but you're directed by the body you're directed by the person and it's not one or the other you're you're encapsulating a multiverse of the person and their body and um witnessing that and engaging with it so it's it's there's a lot of dimensions to it as opposed to applying a formula or following yeah do you know what i mean I do. I, mean, I, th I think, yeah, I think I can um, reflect off what, what, you, what you've just said, especially just because you quoted the word wilderness. Funnily enough, I'm reading a book at the moment. Um, it's from a while back. It's, it's, um, it's called The Abstract Wild by a guy called Jack Turner. And um, he really gets down to well, what, what, do we, what, do, what do we even mean by wild and so on and um and then he quotes this guy this guy Theroux. i don't know if you ever read through but um he 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 was exploring um wilderness and lived in the wilderness and and anyway he got down to the root of the word wild he's, he's saying it's um it's it's basically willed you know it's 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 that it's got this thing is whatever it is it's got its own will and hasn't been controlled, domesticated, whatever the, the uh, contrary thing to that would be. Um, but th the main point of this book is it's about the contact. So for example, he talks about finding some, some uh, paintings up in the hills, I forget even where it was, somewhere in America, but it was a place that nobody really went very much. So you had to, you had to walk for hours and hours and hours. And he encounters these paintings, um, and there were these these figures that painted by um, a tribe that, you know, wasn't even one of the tribes that was wiped out by first contact. That they, they'd, they'd been there and then, I don't know, died out and moved on a long time ago. Um, but here was this art. The point was the encounter that he describes how when he saw it, there was just something there that that it was it was. I don't know, it was alive, it was magic, ma magical, it was almost dangerous, it was raw, it was th just that encounter that he stumbled across this thing. He later finds out that other people had seen those paintings, it had been recorded, but like it, it wasn't, it, nobody had done a big study on it or anything, just he wasn't the first recent person to have seen it. But then he talks about how it was then became a tourist thing, like it was like on a map and people would go there and take photos and, and, and when he went back there next time, the thing was gone, you know, the thing, the thing about standing there and encountering that was gone. Um, and he, he, he said he vaguely managed to rediscover it another time, to, all to do with the time that he spent there, um, got him back into a certain space, but he never quite got back that moment. Um, so the point, the point is really that, that that kind of sums up the book, because this, this was like a wildness of human culture with that, those rock paintings, and then his encounter with it 
was, you know, he was encountering it as a wild being himself. So there was that oneness there, like his wildness, the wildness of the place, the wildness of these paintings. But I think that's what you're talking about, that, 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 that what we find is, is this raw essence of being. Um, and, and it's about embodiment. It's about land. It's not some abstraction. Um, and and I, I just increasingly think that that encounter is everything. That's, you know, nothing of, of real value that's likely to change, transform and get us back on track is apart from that exactly exactly um i I don't want to lose my train of thought but i've been to thoreau's place out of boston wow me there um uh, you know a few years ago now obviously but it oh he loves it it's his one of his favorite places in the whole world and about like two kilometers out he goes can you feel it on the like on the way there in the car sorry sorry, i've missed that who who are you with who are you with sorry um i went with danny rady he's asperger's Who's a friend? So we we did a we did a course in Seattle in um, Boston together, and he really wanted to take me to Thoreau's um, place, you know, where he where he lived in. Um, there's a big um, lake. Is it Walden? Yeah, Walden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Walden Ponds, or I think something like that. I can't remember, but it was it was amazing. It's like we on the you know two k's out of being there. He just went, "Can you feel it?" And you there was this palpable energy just on the way there so by the time you got there you were sort of almost surrounded by it it was really other something you know like you're talking like it's you you probably spend more time languaging this stuff but I'd it it was such a potent amazing day and there weren't that many people there but everyone that kind of goes there just goes there to be in a sense it was it was lovely and um I really like hanging out with Danny because he he appreciates that. You know, there's that something else. There's that, you know, magic's not the right word. What, but it's a it's a it's an energetic thing that isn't you or me, and I can't be in charge of it. And so when I'm working with people, that's the same thing. It's their wilderness, it's their knowledge, their innate sensibility, and it's not just the body. And it's not just their mind and you're not asking their mind to direct anything because the minute you do that and start going, where is it? Find it, explain it, give me a language for it, give me a give me an emotion. Let's take that emotion somewhere, which is what we usually do with stuff. You've done it the same thing, like what you're saying with that painting, where you you objectify it. And I know it's a nice thing to do to think about emotions and do stuff, but what I'm trying to do is pair it back so you just stay in that space. And it's not, you watch it and then you see if it shifts a little and then you say, can we give it a little bit more? What, it, what you know, what basically what can it take? What would it like? Can we move it and then leave it alone again? So it, it, it keeps, the body finds its own point of resolution all the time. And if it's been in a highly constricted state since birth, it will come out of it in its own good time. But especially when you're working with people on the spectrum, they can't use their cognition to direct that energy. You know, we're taught to, and then we we highly prize the fact that we can. But the best thing about the polyvagal theory is you can only do it to a certain point because there's something else. But also there's just this innate, um, it, it's in a funny way easier to work with people on the spectrum if you're just, because you're just playing there. And then you're asking them to notice this and, and not asking them to, um, cognitize it if that's a word but certainly give any intellectual 
um, affect on top of it because it doesn't matter. But it matters if there's a there's an opening. And then however that translates for the person, whatever that looks like a week or two later, is all that matters. But none of it's my business. And in a sense, it sort of isn't theirs either, which is, which is I think that we're talking about the same thing there. Yeah, the, just, a, just a, living, a living being which translates into living processes that you, that you can't control. And, and, and the outcome of that is, you know, very much to be desired and, and celebrated. But, but yeah, we can't, yeah, you can't systematize it. We can't, um, and at a certain level, you can't track it either, I guess. But I mean, you, you not exactly in, in, not entirely, yeah. No, you certainly can't direct it and you certainly can't have an outcome wish. Because yeah. then you, you've lost before you've started. You've, you've, you've subsumed it. And even trying to language it is always misses the point a little. It's, you know, like you're edging around language because it's almost like if you go in too hard, it evaporates. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was, there's a woman called Erin Manning who does beautiful neurodivergent writing. I love her. But I was reading something earlier and she said, and I think this is about therapy, but she, she said being forced to play um, is potentially to do violence to the complex relational field in co-composition. It also presupposes an already homogenized arena of engagement. And all her writings like that, like you read it and you just go, oh, that's it. And you almost need that many words, but there's some there's a real multi-dimensionality about that and a, and a respect of the space, respect of that co-created space that you can't quite put your finger on it. And it's not any one thing that's happening at any one time. Um, what that's making me think about is is just is um how would we translate this into a political sphere, you know, because it just makes me think of anarchism, you know, you know, politically saying that what we've got is is the the terrible outcome of all of this imposition and all of this, you know, imposed structure and 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 and, and the total lack of what you're talking about, that the space created for the thing to come forth and then we'll, we'll take it from there, sort of thing. But it requires a foundational knowledge and a foundational acceptance doesn't it? Because, because if it's a co-creational co-composition, it, it requires both parties or many parties to do that. So it's, 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 you know, and I think we're very much there with the world at the moment, there is a lot of dismantling and awareness of old structures and that they're just not functional anymore. And this, this higher yeah. order capacity for multidimensional, um, awareness rather than thinking is is starting to permeate so it's it's almost like it, it just needs its time like how do you make that happen you can't any any more than what we've been talking about can you really accept it and invite it in allow it to have space and culturally that's been hammered out of us for three thousand years but i think it's on the up because this kind of conversation that we're having wasn't even an acceptable conversation 20 years ago 
whereas it's it's hugely interesting yeah. to people now this level of discourse and connection and people are craving that level of connection because they it, i think it's available to us now and it hasn't been for a long time i suppose it's working from both sides isn't it because you've got the whole kind of indigenous arisen narratives about decolonization and so on which is which is about you know bringing down the structures that 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 um that have been killing this what you're talking about and then there's the discussions about well, what does this look like what does this tenderness look like what does this openness this lack of force this lack of you know so it's 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 the stuff that's that's been built up to to stop it being brought down which is a you know that's a negative work which has to happen we're challenging yeah. all of this stuff it's both like if I, I'm, I'm going back to my work as a sort of a mini idea of it but you 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 have to hold ground and make space and make a good um container for the work and then you have to in, be informed which means getting out of the way and not being in charge and and so you follow and you submit and that's to a lot of different things but there's an there's a connection of energy to a, a higher a purpose um and so uh I guess I just had a water metaphor while you were talking. It's like there are ways in which um, people have to focus on dismantling things, but I think most of it comes from reimagining, but not from the brain because we're being informed from our wild or of that space. Again, that's that's not something that we've got in our um, in our view. Even it, it just isn't something that has you know for more generations than you can pick um, had any real resonance. So even for me, you know, and I, you get into trouble a lot, you know, I may get into trouble saying this, but even the Indigenous stuff has lost its connection in that way as well a lot. It, ha, You know, there's, there's it, it probably in a way people are finding themselves there anew as well. And so we're all being reinformed and then oh, yeah. we're all being reinformed as a world so that it becomes a, uh, a, a, I'm not sure in the future if Indigenous would be the word even in a way, but it's the same thing where you're, you're, you're connected to, you, you submit to something bigger than you, which is, you know, the basic point of, of good um, Indigenous thinking, isn't it? With land and power. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a bigger discussion, which, which perhaps we won't stray too far into. But I guess the idea is that we all have to become indigenous without without the cultural appropriation of existing cultures. But like that, that there's a there's something that will unfold if we become grounded in in bodies and lands, and that will be an indigeneity. You know, it means that we belong here. We are of this place. Yeah, and you can't think it, and you can't create it from your mind. It's not like that. So you, no, you have. We, you see what's next. You, you, you keep walking. It's like going on a, well, a foraging fine. expedition, isn't it? It is. I mean, the, the fascinating thing is um, that if if you go back to Descartes and and um, I haven't got my notes in front of me, so I might get this slightly wrong. Um, but but there's a word ingenium which 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 he was working with a lot, and it gives rise to the the, the word genius, 
But of course, with Descartes, what you're looking at there is is the product of 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 rationality. You know that in your mind, you've come up with this amazing thought that basically pins everything down, and 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 you're you're the amazing person that's figured it all out. But in actual fact, if you go down to the root of um, ingenium, it's more to do with the genius of a place. So the the, the yeah, if, if we'd have stuck to the actual root of that word, it means that the, the genius is the person who gets really that living contact, which gives rise to, I don't know, thought, being, emotion, culture, by contact in the essence of that place, which is, which is what, you know, the, um, um, the, the, the um, you know, that indigeneity of, of cultures who have lived on land, and, and it is genius, you know, the fact that people have, have been able to work in such harsh conditions, whether it's the Arctic or the, or the Kalahari Desert or the, you know, the Australian outback or wh wherever it is. That's the genius is that they've created a way of being there that's working with that place. And it's the same genius that's the ecological niche of a species. You know, that species has evolved to be there. You know? And of course, we as people, humans can be in all of these places. So that's the genius of humanity, is not our ability to impose, but our ability to, to, to adapt and respond and therefore have a perfect fit with, with this, the genius of this place. So um, I guess that's what, what I think we could get back to, you know, but, but, but I guess it, it, the starting point is the kind of work that you're doing because, you know, we can't connect with this place unless we connect with this body, you know, um, and and with the the body of other people, if, if that sensitivity and ability to, to to be tuned in and 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 see that unfolding doesn't happen, then the other one won't either. Yeah, no, I agree. I, but I still think it's both because you know while you're talking, the word sovereignty comes in with that genius word. Like they're sort of the same thing. Um, when it's true sovereignty, you know, you you're in your power. You're not asking for power. You're not given power. You have you have sovereignty and a right to um, be informed by something more. And so I, it just going back to your comment in your opening thing the other day about David Attenborough. I just there was that that just that what he said about um, the the way to fix everything is to you know, make wild spaces and then everyone eats out of a lab or something. You said something yeah, like that. That's right. And that to me is stripping people of their genius. It's still a really um, Catholic whipping your back kind of model yeah. of negating yeah. humanity. Yeah. And, and there's no sovereignty in it. We're just um, wound in our own self-depreciation over and over again. And there's nothing in that for us anymore. Yeah. And so... In, in, you know, if I if I'm working with people, the first point is sovereignty. I I have to understand my own, and I have to understand the bounds of it and and the breadth of it, so I know what I can offer. And then I have to afford the person that I'm working with the exact same space, and then we co-create together. And that intent has to trying to teach that. I've got therapists I'm training at the moment. I've got second years and first years, and trying to teach that is huge that is really really interesting to try and language that that you know that's different to my six-week course but it's so important because you can't 
how do you actually work with someone's body and teach them about their body unless you appreciate their sovereignty first and and know your own and we don't teach either of those things we don't understand them we go back to indigenous ideas and 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 co-opt them a bit but it's all quite wonky and misplaced if you do that because you don't there's no body connection to it there's no you know I, I don't know why I'm good at it but you know I'm Welsh half Welsh ah, <laughs> so that might be part of it <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I I just there's they're sort of both both those things and they're 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 firm and they're real but they're not at the same time I guess I never would have I mean it's quite surprising but like I'm now linking your use of the word sovereignty to the to what we were saying a few minutes ago about wild and willed, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, sovereignty's got lots of neg negative connotations in terms of the power of the king or whatever, but um, the sovereign. But if we're saying that everyone is ought to have that, I mean, it's autonomy, really, isn't it? <clears throat> As well. So we've got kind of wild sovereignty and autonomy mixed up together to interpret each other, and then we might be. Yeah, I have a good definition. Um, well, you want to read, like, if you want to change the world, you have to relearn your own appreciation of, of sovereignty and people being above you. And we've taught it for so long in our schooling systems and our universities and everything that we have to sort of adhere to and, and submit to means that we're not as good as, etc. You know, there's all this hierarchy. You have to dismantle that in yourself first. But I don't think you can do very much till you've done that. And that might be where this, you know, the shift in generations, it will, it may just come because the current generation just don't think the same way that the previous ones have done. But that idea that you're lesser or owned has been really um, drilled into us for a really long time, one way or another from government and church. So. I think it's shifting, but then we have to work out how to embrace it and how do you hold your power and how do you trust it and how do you believe it and how do you know it's real? Um, and I think that's a, without using a lot of your brain because your brain has been taught all this other stuff that yeah. is really no matter, you know, that those plants will go grow out in the wild. They you're not in charge of how they grow and where they're going to grow. There's something else that's making all of that happen. You get to have an interplay. Um, and, and that interplay has nothing to do with anyone else. You know, that, yeah. that level of connection to the forest. There's the, that energetic connection is, uh, you know, that's your sovereignty. That's your, your, your space that you engage in. Um, well, I mean, in a way, I, <clears throat> I think that what we're talking about is how it can have something to do with someone else. In other words, if there's a way to, to facilitate it, which is which is what you're doing, and 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 you know, creating space or just being it in a in a in a visible space that means other people can catch it. You know. Um, <clears throat> So in that sense, it has something to do with it. Not, it's not imposed, but it's it's like a, a gracious facilitating or exampling, you know. Yes. Yes. It has to have some form. And then you have to let it go. There's a really nice Rilke poem where you raise your eyes to the 
frame or something and it's there and it's beautiful and then you then you let it go and it's there's the, that duality but it's a nice it's a nice connection to duality rather than being stuck to one end of it yeah <laughs> makes sense i hope so um yeah breathing out isn't it like yeah yeah um and then there's a and then there's a knowing and you learn to know that knowing and so then you know with my work I have to bring that into the space. I have people come in who either, for whatever reason, kind of understand that space. And often people in disability kind of families have had to disconnect from the real world because they just bump up against it too much and it, they don't fit in it properly um, <clears throat> because the real world's too narrow or, or boxed or whatever. And so they, they know themselves as more and then they also know they're looking for something more when they come and see me. So there's an openness. So I can quite simply, in a sense, get to work at that level. And then I might have other people, especially if they're referred to come and see me, it generally doesn't work as well because they're coming in wanting a, a particular model. And I don't work with one. I've got I've got my model, but I don't have a checkbox where we're going to get this done and we're going to make your kid good and have a product and some people find that really challenging because they want they want to understand it from a from a framework that they already um, know because they feel safe there and I think that's the thing is people don't feel safe with chaos with looseness with with you know things that they where they don't know how to play so I have to be really um, capable of playing in that space so that we get where we need to go but I've got no idea where we're going. <laughs> but it works because you because you give your faith to something else, to the to the fact of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, just going back to what you said about we have to um, th this thing of not knowing that we're not owned and not controlled. What you said. I wonder if there's another element to that. Um, because the system, um, or I, I don't know, the, the sort of negativity that's out there or in here, um, the other thing it does is it makes you, you, it sort of invalidates you. So, which I think is something else other than being, I mean, I'm sure being controlled and being owned definitely invalidates you, but, but I, think, I think that's another thing. That to me, like the welcome that you get when you when you understand that you can just sink down into your body, or when you can be in inland, or you around the whole people where there's there's that there's not any of the the kind of defence there. That, that there's just acceptance and and welcome. I think that's that is communicating this third thing really about um, belonging that that there's. This, in addition to not being controlled or not being um, owned. Yeah, yeah. My mum's a um, theologian and she does all this, a lot of, it used to be feminist writing. It's, it's a lot for women, but it's more deconstructing the church in lots of ways. Um, and, and I think sovereignty kind of fits in there. But she was talking about something she was writing the other day and, uh, you know, sort of unpacking the unconditional love if you're looking at Christianity because 
because it might be talked about, but it's not true because if you do the wrong thing, you don't have it. But I said, in a funny way, I think it's more unconditional belonging is what we right. want. You want to know you always belong, you know, and it's that Ubuntu thing for that, that African thing, which is so lovely. You know, you if you do something wrong, everyone comes around and holds you together till you find your way again. Yeah. Um, and that learning, teaching ourselves how to, how to hold that space is really important. And then I, I think, again, it's it's a personal thing. It's a thing you learn to do with your body so you don't disassociate from it. You you can hold all that it is and all that it's telling you. But then you can also um, develop that or as a culture we develop that so that we... Um, uh, maintain connection. I mean, I th it's a really hard thing to do, isn't it? At, when things get rough. Yeah. Well, it is, and yet it's the basis, though. It is the basis to, and 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 I suppose, you know, when I say basis, I mean I've been thinking this right from the start of the conversation, really. That what what we're talking about connecting with in terms of this body stuff. I mean, I'll just share this, like, um, I've been in quite intensive therapy for about the last year and a half. And, and um, part of the, one of the models that the therapist I'm working with is, is working with is this idea that you've got these different parts. Um, so it's like, you know, internal family systems therapy, or there's another one, um, structural dissociation. There's a few ones out there that are saying, well, you have these parts which are, they're almost like different personalities. And at the extreme end, it's, it is multiple personality disorder as it used to be, which is now called dissociative something or other, where, where you actually don't remember being what you were five minutes kind of, just really kind of the extreme end of that. But anyway, in working with these parts, I, I ended up thinking about all of them in terms of like a developmental scheme that, that basically you have, um, bits of you that are not that functional, but they're basically defensive because you didn't manage to get through a certain developmental phase with, with all of the, the equipment that that phase was supposed to give you for one reason or another. Anyway, I was saying all that to just say, I, I started going back through the stages and, and thinking about, you know, me as a, a young adult, as a teenager, child, different bits. And, and, and there's some lovely work I was doing around, um, cause, cause a lot of what you end up doing, I'm sure you know this, but like you, 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 you work with those parts and you actually parent yourself, you know, so you do this self-talk thing of, so I'm doing this stuff, talking to me, myself as, as a little baby, as if I was one of my own kids. And it was, it's very sweet. It's very nurturing, soothing thing to do. Um, and I was like, God, I'd like to stay here. Like just do this for ages. But unfortunately my, my brain um, pointed out the obvious that this is not where it started, right? It started in the womb. And um, anyway, I'm not quite sure why, but I have a sense that my mum was going through some heavy shit when I was in the, I just got the sense that that wasn't a particularly safe place. But I did this work with uh, just just talking it through with with my therapist. It's just about well, you know, you don't have to go back there. You just have to you just have to explore womb space. Um, you don't have to kind of imagine you've gone back to your actual mother's womb. 
but you just explore that realm basically of, of sensation. So one of the first things I did was I thought of your um your thing you do with the with the uh, the yoga ball and the feet. So I bought myself one of those, and you know, and I've got a weighted blanket and I've got this weird, just hideous looking spandex thing that you get inside. It's like being inside a womb, and you kind of push it and things like that. So <laughs> Anyway, I've been exploring all that stuff because um, I kind of feel like, and this also links to our previous conversation that was a lot about roots, you know, that 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 what, I mean, I'd, I'd love to know what you think, but I, I just suspect that what we're getting back to is, is when we're getting back to that pre-emotional, pre-cognitive thing of raw sensation, our beginnings were there, you know, like in, in, in the womb, there were certainly no words and, and, and not even any really emotions. It was, it was raw sensation. It was raw body stuff. And, and far from that being like some kind of primitive thing that we move on from, it is the basis. And, 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 but, but where that links to what you were just saying is I think it is a basis of belonging actually. And, and, and so like the lack of, um, that womb space being as it as it might be would would be rather undermining, which I think in my case it was. Um, but conversely, like if if we were if we were um, you know, as all sorts of implications of making sure that when when women are pregnant, there should be a, an amazingly kind of robust, safe space around them, if they're not having to be under pressure and etc. But Anyway, yeah, just so belonging and, and the basis, you know, the, the, our roots um, being in that embryo, embryonic thing. And I, I just think that maybe what you're doing is, well, I, as I said, the first thing I thought of was, was your work with the, with the ball. I feel it's like pushing up against the edge of the womb sort of thing. Yeah, I totally do. I totally okay. think that's, that's what it's like. Um, it's very, very generous an exercise in that way and, and it's familiar to the body at that level and so if you just play there without the cognition of the I'm not saying doing the story stuff isn't highly relevant but where I play I try not to employ it um, so that we can just play with the with what you're talking about which is the um, the body's learnt response to the world the body's got a certain um, capacity for openness and constriction, and that is, you know, um, enhanced or mired by a gazillion variables and good luck trying to make them all good. But, I, you know, Tom Bowlby was right about attachment. You, you know, the Africans used to do it really well. They probably still do it pretty well. Um, and then they're all wired up really well. So there's lots of singing and dancing and moving and the body's connected and they get to use it and then they get to have this really heightened friendliness, I think, almost with themselves as well as other people. And then connection's really important to them, but it's very body oriented, isn't it? And then there's a higher order spiritual capacity all the time. Lots of singing. Um, I had a woman, um, my, my kid's friend, um, his mum, when, when they were younger, who's come from Africa to live here. And she said, I'm sorry, I hate being here because wherever she came from, she needed to leave. But at the same time, everyone used to go in the morning to get water and they'd clap and sing and have this really nice time all together and they're all the way back. And Australians don't do that. We don't sing, we don't hang out together. And you know, that whole thing 
So imagine being in the womb and that's going on. That's wow. an entirely different thing, isn't it? As opposed to, you know, this, this other laden experience that we've had as, as Western people. So, but if you start putting all of that cognition and story and trying to go back and stuff, for me, and I'm not saying it's not important and I haven't done lots of it, but, but where I like playing with my work now is just going, where's your body at? If, if, it, if it can handle moving out of that space, what can you have? And, and you don't even articulate it that much. You're literally just doing this work. Um, and it just starts to unfold. And it's often very unpleasant, very unpleasant. Often it, it, you can't go very fast because the body's got a certain um, position and there's all the autonomic systems tied into it. There's all these intricacies, which are really fun to teach and unpack, but they all have to translate and learn. So you, you have this, this amazing innate choreography that, as you're saying, starts you know right from in the womb really, really early. And all of those stories impact, but essentially that innate space or, or, or creature, the, the, if you look at it as a system, it, it can relearn and have more space. If it's just about constriction and, uh, you know, in essence, we're basically jellyfish at the beginning, <laughs> you know, and then we grow a little bit. We, we're like sharks for a little while. We look like sharks and then we add on a bit more. Like we morph into all these things. It's the best fun. So, and, and I like that as well because there's your wild knowing. You know, there's this huge potent knowledge that's growing in that womb that's connected to all sorts of stuff. And so you, you're tapping into that as well. And, and then if you get it right, there's just all this change. So I can have people who are um, on the spectrum and they might be 30 and, and very often they can be, um, those stages of development haven't had chance for exploration and expansion. So they can be more like in lots of ways in their relationships, 15 or 12 or less, you know, and just stuck there. It's really interesting to watch in a very short space of time if you can teach that body to unfurl because it feels like it and it feels nice and it wants to and it makes enough cognitive sense to the person and they're emotionally safe and you get everything right in a week they can go oh I just came back from my mum and dad's house and I told them everything I think <laughs> and I articulated this and this and this and this and this and they turned into a 30 year old and then the families go oh my gosh, who's that? We, and they just don't know how to cope because, yeah. because it's just there. And so a lot of you, you being anybody, but the person is just sort of in the wings waiting to come through. And I don't know if, if somehow we've mechanized a little the stages of development, like you still have to go back and plot them all. I think it's really interesting to do from a, from an individuation self understanding point of view, but, from a from a um, change point of view, I just keep seeing all these people go whoosh, and then they're just available. So all of those, all of that learning that they've they've had, but can't you you know you can't access yourself very well when you go into shutdown and when you're in a when you're at your best, all that stuff's there. And when you know, and then you're crippled from various you know. And it's not like because I teach you, I'm you know, superwoman either. I'm still constantly contracted and opening and 
better in some places than others, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's fundamentally just part of being in a body Um, and and hanging out with other people who, you know, I I don't think, I don't think life's, well, maybe it's supposed to be always glorious, but it isn't at the moment. It's lots of things, isn't it? But, but still there's this way in which when it can open enough, this stuff just happens and, and then it's there. And it's really interesting and it happens a lot. So the, the, the implicit nature of the body to find its own point of resolution because it, because it in the womb or at four or at two, it had a point of constriction in response to a certain stimulus. Um, can it learn to unfurl? Do you have to change the stimulus or can it just go, oh, I don't need to be there now? And often it, 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 it opens and it sounds that out and it goes, oh, fine. I can help that's okay I can do that and there's this robustness which is you know where your vagus nerve comes in and your your ventral vagal comes in and you get to um, learn how to drive your your system with more coherence and stay connected to your intellect and stay connected to your um, wealth of knowledge and your wealth of working memory and executive functioning and all that stuff and I think what happens you know which is Porter's work's brilliant you know what happens when you have personality slips um, is that the system goes into shutdown and there's only one route so it has to go to that that section of understanding and all this other stuff's unavailable it's still there it's just you can't get at it so yeah. the more you get a, a you know and you know this but the more you get a robust um ventral system you you can stay online to to witness all of that you have more choice yeah well i mean the, 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 what those models say they either say that, that like the the bit that stays online is the adult or that it's your core or something like that that there's 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 something that that keeps it all integrated whereas when that's offline you have these fragments of yeah bits where you're stuck from from different bits but yeah see i from where I'm at these days is I'd go the bit that holds you together isn't a thing it might be your system but it's just it's your system being a being sturdy enough to stay there so it's not your adult self you might be able to then be your adult self uh, I mean I think, yeah I mean it's language isn't it it's just I just think what that's doing is is that it's it's telling you um it, it's just telling you something about identity you know so the problem with all this fragmentation is that there's the i mean the weirdness of 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 having these fragments but obviously you identify with each one of them and that's quite disempowering whereas the 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 point is that whether you call it you know some and i i agree with you like it's the whole system working but but it's it's the empowering thing of saying that you do have an identity that that isn't um broken you know that, yes. that, and and everyone moves into that at some point, no matter how dysfunctional they are. They visit that part of themselves that can handle it, that can that can deal with it, that can yes. flourish and do really well. So it's just a matter of being able to say, I have a part of me that that is that is able, you know, and, and isn't broken. Yes. I think yes. that's where it helps. I think you're right about the definition. It is it is actually just the body doing its thing. But but um, well, you it, body allows you to be you. Yeah. Yeah. So the more choice you have about that, the more robust your nervous system is, the more choice you have, the more you get to be you. And that's, that's, you know, to be held onto. And sometimes yeah. you really have to hold onto it. And sometimes it's, you know, um, 
vital. Yeah. So um, just a couple of thoughts, going right back to that early embryo stuff. Um, just something fascinating that I heard, um, I think it was Dan Siegel talking about it, um, that the uh, your nervous system starts out basically as skin. Like in other words, it's on the outside at the very earliest stages of, of the development of the embryo. Um, the bit that becomes your nervous system is on the outside. It's actually, it is the skin that touches the world. And then it gets enfolded, turned inside. But actually your nervous system still is the skin that touches the world because you know, it might, it might have to get signals to come in through sensory organs, but that's the, the raw naked bit of you that gets touched is your, is your nervous system. So uh, I find that fascinating. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and, um, and then the other thing I, I, I wanted to just hold up um, alongside your description of transformation, I'm, I'm just really uh, switched on by um, an area of research which has given birth to um, a kind of therapy, which is funny, that's called coherence therapy. You, you used the word coherence a minute ago. But it's basically memory, re, memory reconsolidation. And, and what they're saying is, I mean, I'll explain it in a minute, but they're saying that this explains why massively diverse approaches to therapy all work, because every one of them in one way or another is, is achieving this. So it's basically, um, <clears throat> it's, it's Pavlov's dog, like the, 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 the dog associates an external stimuli with either a positive or a negative thing. You know, it's either scared because it gets an electric shock after it hears a bell ring, or it's, you know, it sees a light flashing and salivates because you know it's gonna eat. So we have these uh, emotional connections based on a memory, you know, like, so, you know, if, if you spill something, someone will shout at you. So for the rest of your life, you think, oh no, I've spilled something, someone's gonna shout at me. Uh, <clears throat> um, now the way this guy goes about it is he'd say, well, what, what we do is is we, we gently trying to draw out what is that core belief that is, basically buggering everything up for you. But most people that have serious issues, you could probably get it down to one or two core beliefs, which are basically emotional memories. So he'll draw it out, so let's, let's try and find it in a very similar kind of client-led thing to, to tell you go about it. Let's just see if it just pops out. What is that core belief? Without giving them a list of questions, you know, just how can we find it? And then a very sensitive way of how to kind of juxtapose an alternative belief alongside it. So for example, one person who had something awful happened when they were a child, um, the core belief turned out to be, the world did that to me and it doesn't do it to anyone else. And he got her to just say that. He said, so that's, 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 that's what it boils down to. She, he said, yeah. He said, well, say it again. And then she goes, okay, the world did that to me as a six-year-old child and didn't do it to anyone else. Just say it again. And then the fourth or fifth time she said it, she went, the world did this to me and nobody, and she went, hang on a minute. This thing, actually, that, loads of people have that. And that was the moment where, where, where the belief started to dissolve. And amazingly, that's kind of all you have to do. You have to like juxtapose according to this model, which is very cognitive. What I'm wondering is what's 
because it's I can hear that happening in what you're describing with these people being changed. There's some kind of link of, of, of a belief and a memory and, and that's just dissolving. And then this other thing is coming right in instead going, hang on a minute, that's not true. This is true. So it does it does end up in, in a in a in a um, well a reordered cognition, but it starts from the from the ground up. Um, I don't know what you think yeah. about that. Yeah, no, lots of good things. I agree with you. I uh, I can't remember his name. It's Frank, someone who's cool, did something in the 60s um, with all these, looking at all these research, and they basically came up with the fact that it doesn't matter what you do. You just have to have these qualities in it. And I think it's really healthy to appreciate that. I think it's a really good truth. And so the medicine has to be right for the individual at any point in time. So that's, you know, that's a significant component of it. And then if you move to what you were saying, it's, it's like for me, the if you get it right and that six-year-old goes, oh, yeah, it's not six, but the, 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 the 40-year-old who remembers being six, whatever, um, the, the, from, from my appreciation and, you know, of everything I know of body work and Porges work and et cetera, is that at, at the same point, the body has a sense of release. It has to have a corresponding sense of release. There has to be a shift in choreography of the nervous system in order to, to have let go because the gut seizes when it's stressed and everything is held and clenched from there and every, you know, there's a whole, you know, um, cascade of um, associations that are neuro physical level that allow or disallow things and so you can it's bi-directional you can come in from either end but essentially at the end of the day that system appreciates in that point of time being open just because and if it has if, if that's happened early enough then it's never had the opportunity to know what that opening is so you can get that point just right from those more cognitive avenues you know of that and you know somatic experiencing is amazing for that sort of stuff you, you go find your way that way I just I'm watching with the work that I'm doing because I work with people with trauma now as well and they're finding because so much of their system has just been hijacked and there might be so many stories that one isn't the point you know the point is the system has been hijacked letting the system soften and be vulnerable and open <coughs> is is you know is a hugely silly thing to do on the one hand and courageous but also when the body works out it's actually okay it goes thank god for that that's fantastic and it it learns how to stay there and be open and and then in a bi-directional way the other way all of those memories and and things that have happened can be witnessed from a more robust self so you're just doing it the other way around and you know i i guess that's what i think i'm doing with my work so i'll I, you watch the body um you know you might do a little bit on the ball and or very little or do um acupressure points and i'll be doing this sometimes with people via zoom with you know a support worker is working with the the client and we're all so integrated that this the the person you know who's maybe been able to sit upright in a chair do very little on the ball but the body starts to just have a bit of a wobble and i don't like big wobbly things i'm not into big trauma release stuff i 
try and avoid that if I can, just so there's enough for learning, but not a big, big blowout. Um, and then uh, this may be going a bit weird, but I think you'll find it quite interesting. Um, uh, what I find then is the, ac the acupressure points on the hands are, can be quite soothing for people if they like it, like this lady I'm thinking about who would be fine for me to discuss this for at a light level. Um, is very soothing and it, she likes it. But the support worker can be, you know, I'm intently connected to what's happening. Working with a support worker who's worked with me enough times to know how to do it. And then what she feels through the fingers and sees, in a sense, I also see. So it's like it's in a stormy sea. And then, you know, there's a, there's a ship and then there's the land or whatever and there's this 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 progression and then there's a point of resolution in the person and it's all gone and then it's fine and then there's there's this big leap um but it's been it's been at a level of metaphor mm. so people give me all this metaphor so it's yeah. not story it's not this happened to me it's more like dream state you're staying yep. a bit lower, you're playing there, and then the body's giving these references that you're all kind of hanging out in and then just playing with. And then the body goes, oh, I can do that now. Yeah. And then yeah. it can do it and it can hold it and it gets more robust. And then that robust body goes back out into the world again and there's a point of difference. And there's, you know, the eyes are open, the ears are open, the capacity to social engage is different or hold your own space or whatever it translates into. But it, it first always, ultimately, the body has to have that, that shift. But yeah. it doesn't have to be, this isn't the only practice. There's, you know, a million ways to play around with it. Well, I, I don't know. It, I mean, to me, I've just bought this guy's book, so I'm going to get right down into it. I mean, for a start, like the... The, the point of this research is that they can track what actually changes in, in the nervous system as a result of this, so that that's, that's, that's happening in the body. <laughs> that's the beauty of it, that, that they've actually, they're actually tracking it, and, they, and he did describe it. I haven't quite managed to get my head around the description, but it's there in the book. Um, but... Um, I guess I guess what I'm thinking with, with your description and thinking about about you know this 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 approach and what it's achieving is and what we've been talking about um, in terms of going back to roots and 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 this ultimate state of belonging, which which would have been fundamental, yeah, especially like in the context like you described in in the African tribe, but any tribe that was that was land-based and and not disrupted. Um, you would have belonged in your body, in the tribe, on the land. And I just think, like, it, I mean, even going back to the kind of theology thing of of saying, well, you know, a, a fundamental belief about the world. Um, you know, if you if you really have that belief, you 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 would you would be fairly adamant that you're not just um, describing your belief you're describing the world so you know if you say well the world is a place that that that, that nurtures us the world is a place that um is is home in every respect and so therefore so are our bodies and so so is the social space it's just that that's been sabotaged so you know in 
in, in having this thing, either way, either if we're seeing this as like, okay, we're changing our belief about the world, or you're just getting back in sync with the world is a bit more what you're describing. You know, it's not about a belief, but it's just actually all of a sudden, okay, now I'm back in, oh, whew, oh, oh, it works, you know, I work, everything, oh, it's good, because you just got back in sync, haven't been out of sync. But either way, I think what I'm getting out of this is, is just that, like, uh, you know, and the thing with the metaphor and the story, I mean, to me, everything is story, but then behind that, everything is metaphor. So, for example, um, it, a, a metaphor being like a, a facsimile, like it's, it's an analogue, you know, like, so if, if something scares, frightens me, you know, that's, that's, well, that's a metaphor for what happened before, you know, it's, 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 so, and these original things are raw sensation. The thing that we end up developing into feelings and words and stories and so on, at the baseline is, is raw sensation. But what I'm trying to say is, if we strip everything back, there is this, this actual state, this actual truth, that if you push back the layers, there is belonging. I mean, if you push back the layers, there is groundedness. If you push, that's just there, you know, we don't have to have a debate about it. And, and, and when someone's going through whatever it is, the point is that that's what you find. We go back behind this. The reason why that belief can be changed is because it's, it's wrong. Yeah. You know, the world is not a fundamentally dangerous place. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, we've all experienced threat, danger and, and trauma and so on. But this is an aberration. Like the, the fact is that society and human bodies and, and landscapes are places of, of, um, of belonging and welcome. And we just rediscover that through by whatever means. And so what I want to add with that is Indigenous cultures, to my knowledge, were better at appreciating neurodivergence and right. other ways of being and seeing, which includes alternate um, states and includes um, schizophrenic states and, you know, all of that sort of um other wildness that has its own beauty knowing bringing things to the community that wouldn't otherwise come there so yep. they have a sense of belonging at that level as well so there's an appreciation too and this is where you know I always come in with what we do with the polyvagal theory and what we do with a lot of therapies we're trying to get you neat and I don't know that the point is to get you so neat that you're one-dimensional you know which is our western perception you want multi-dimensionality you want and you might want more choice but also the the things that where our bodies go offline and wonky and we go into all these other spaces and we get a bit lost sometimes maybe we can get good at going to those places but there's a wealth there you know and we talked about this last time and you know if you want to go childhood I was I'm a twin and I was smallest and I was in a humidity crib for two weeks when I was born and my twin went home and I was there. So I think that, you know, Welsh is one thing, but I also think that drove a, a huge part of my um, understanding of spaciousness and what you do with nothing that, you know, that sort of um, awareness of the, the nervous system at that really raw, raw place, but then you find there's something else. And there's a knowing, and I've always had a knowing, and I, you know, so, it, and it informs me, and I trust it, and yeah, so it's really it's elusive, but but I think it's really important when we're discussing all of this stuff to honor 
um, uh, the, all of these capacities that the human body and brain have. There's a woman on my Facebook page, I was reading really early this morning because I was awake, because it's National Bipolar Day or something like that. I haven't heard of it before. But she, it was, I'm trying to remember what she was saying, but, you know, the, the essential point of it was um, the diversity, even with the bipolar stuff, and some people can't take medication, and, yep, but there's all these sort of aspects of it, but also really appreciating the, the incredible power and wisdom and in intelligence that comes from people who live in altered states more often and you know she was mentioning van gogh which i didn't know is you know yeah, well, very my, much like that yeah. cool my, my father was uh, bipolar so i can relate to that yeah he was definitely in some other spaces hard to live <laughs> with but that was him yeah 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 but the society probably didn't know how to hold him use it utilize it keep him well you know, whereas if you go belonging in a whole belonging, you actually have a culture that that can do that, it yeah. might look quite different. Whereas yeah. it, you know, he would have been thoroughly unsupported at that level, which then influences everything else, doesn't it? Yeah. And and then, you know, if 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 you're estranged as a father, it's it's very hard to give that sense of sanctity and security to other people because you're bereft to start with and and we're all so individual that we're supposed to you know be fantastic mothers all on our own I mean it's ridiculous yeah yeah but I, I mean I don't know yeah I think I think the thing is that what we're looking at now is to find the answers is we have to look to the margins you know we have to look to to, to you know people like my dad who were you know, debilitatingly mentally ill their entire life. People, people, yeah, that's where the truth is because it's it's a true reflection of, of um, yeah, like th 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 this this society that we live in is is one that it does push push the push things to to the edges and um, is um. I, don't, I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say, really, but like I don't know what's more broken. You know, if you if you can stand in the center, if you can actually feel comfortable in the center of something that's that's so badly out of kilter, you know. How do you have belonging if you only belong when you're good, yeah. or you behave yourself, or you can control yourself? And you know, this is where I'm working. You know, with the vast array of of human beings I work with on the spectrum. They can't control themselves half, half the time. They're quite violent when they don't know what's going on, except, you know, there's, there has to be a level of belonging regardless. And, 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 and then because then if there, if there isn't, how do you have your own self-love? How do you have your own um, sense of connection to self and love of your body? You know, one of the things I really do see and, and promote, I, I witness the promotion of it through the work is that people have a greater relationship with their body. They like it. They, the, the body trusts them. It lets go more. It lets them have more responsibility because it's like, oh, you got this. I'll let you do it. And so you, you're shifting the game there. But you have to do it within a sense of kindness and lack of judgment. And, you know, hopefully our cultures get better at that. And I think the the way that we have started to embrace autism and neurodiversity, you know, in its many, many forms, which, which includes the, you know, aspects of mental 
illness one word but also you know higher order fashions um it actually allows us to have a, a wider scope of all the flowers in the forest rather than you know daffodils are the only thing that are of any value which is ridiculous isn't it you have to have that level of diversity you have to have that level of trust and and you can't um you can't give it and take it away on the one hand, which is what I think happens with, you know, the polyvagal theory a lot and that sort of thing where you can't go, yeah, we like the wilderness, but we want it to look like this. Yeah. Which was your David Attenborough thing again. It's like, you would like to look like this, but then you'll have to go and live in a box over there and be good because otherwise it won't work. Is that where you have, there has to be this trust in self and connection and, you know, all of those things that we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think, Obviously, I've thought, I, and I've written um, to you with some of the, the thoughts I had subsequent to that conversation about the dorsal vagus and, and so on. But um, I've almost thought about everything that I've thought since then has, has pretty much come back to that um, exploration of, you know, that the, the dorsal vagus. Um, again, like if we take the embryo, as being our, our roots and origin. And rather than saying, oh, well, you know, that was that very basic developmental stage. We've moved on, you know. No, sorry, you don't move on from roots. They're, they're your basis, you know. And so in the same way, the dorsal vagus being in the evolutionary terms, this, this far more ancient thing. And, and I think, you know, and, and I do think Paul just as, as He's not told the story right. I'm, I keep, I'm puzzled the more I read back over his stuff. Um, because there is this thing of saying, okay, you've got sympathetic uh, nervous system, fight, flight, and so on. Um, you've got the dorsal vagus, which will switch you off like somebody switched the light switch off. Um, and then you've got, yay, social engagement modes. So two bad guys and a good guy. Essentially, that's the polyvagal story. And I, I just more look at think, no, that has got to be revisited. Part, and, and I've heard him in a recent interviews saying, oh, you know, people hear that that these two are bad and this one's good, and that's not what we're saying. But it, but it actually is how it's been presented. Um, it is how it's been presented. The, the, the evolutionary terms, these two bad ones and now this good one. Um, and yet, for a start, the you know, sympathetic nervous system isn't just fight or flight. It's just, it's energy. It's just like, I'm on now, I can go, you know, and, and we'd like to have a bit of social engagement with that, so I'm smiling and not looking too intense. It's all good. Yeah. On the other hand, we might want a bit of um, dorsal stillness so I can be the, the, the Zen monk going, ha, 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 like, no yeah. smiling, but but dorsal stillness and energy. So, you know, we, we, we need the, the combinations, but but like the, the dorsal vagus um, is... Is like the you know it's, it's like the embryo. It is our roots, and therefore it goes deeper. Yeah. And therefore, <laughs> um, I know. I just think half of the stuff that's been the problem is the descriptions of going through the polyvagal stuff. Half of what they're saying is 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 uh, ventral vagus. It, it isn't anyway. You know, like chanting and chanting and, and that. That's not ventral vagus. Nobody's going. Mm. Nobody's grinning <laughs> their head off. <laughs> and making eye contact while they're chanting, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Going deep down yep. into, into, into the dorsal vagus, nothing to do with the yep. so-called social engagement system. And, and, you know, I just think I just think it's wrong because, like, you know, the, the, I believe now that the, the idea of the, the, 
the, the, the, the dorsal and the ventral vagus. That's the social engagement system, both of them. But if you have, if you have, um, yeah, if you have the idea that it's just smiley, happy people, that's, that's a very impoverished version. Um, I don't know how I can start spinning off on this, but. Um, oh, no, you're like, I'm totally with you. I totally agree with you um, I, in every single way. I, I guess what I'd add is um, I, I think, I mean, Paul just talks about immobilization without fear a little bit. And That's people right. have asked him That's to right. because they need it. They need some balance, and 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 that level of complexity needs to be brought in. I I, uh, and so lots of people are doing that more because they see the flaw in it not being, you know, because it's just true. It's there. I think I think it's just for him. He's holding a line, like you know, he's he gets attacked so much at a scientific level for being incorrect, and it gets debunked, and you know, so there's this this whole academic stuff. So he's got to be very clean and neat with it. And so at that level, I think it can get lost sometimes. And, and there's still, there's so much beauty. You know, when he talks about what happens when people collapse after they've had high trauma, there's there's so much relevance there. And then the, the, the need to keep it kind of stringent so that it doesn't just fall into nothing, I think that's his job. So it may be as things move on, other people take this and explore it in other ways, or he might find some room to, but I, I think he doesn't have a lot of room to move in order to keep the train on the track in that sense. But uh, I, I really think it's just personally, I just, I yes, think it, it is, is. I, think, I think it's, and I think it's a bit annoying because I, th I think he's a lovely guy, but he ought to be able to just look back at the material and say, hang on a minute, we've got into a muddle here. This, this, there's this whole it's just there's a whole world, a whole world, yes. and a very rich and deep world of positive dorsal experience in 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 humanity, which is what I mean. You absolutely switched the light on for that in in our last conversation. It's just I can't tell you um, that that one thought has just it's just opened up a whole thing for me. And um and and I think I think that it's 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 um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say that, that he's he's to blame for not um, being being um, just 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 bringing the nuance in. But but having said that, yeah, it is it is a fantastic whole thing. But I just think I just think yeah, it's missing be, the discourse it. around it's missing, and no, I agree with you. Um, I I I do. I maybe it just comes back to, and this is probably where I will always get into trouble is I just go, we'll just do it anyway. <laughs> like I have my sovereignty. This is meaningful to me. I talk about the dorsal vagus all the time. It's it's off center, off, um, off track in a sense, what I'll do, but I can't help it. I've got a client who's got a Facebook page called Free the Dorsal Vagus. You'll be really? glad to know. <laughs> oh, damn, shit that out. Fantastic. She loves, you know, because the other stuff does not speak to her. It's not her truth. So when people go, the ventral vagus is my best place to be, it's like, well, that's all very well, but that's not true for everybody. So you you have to be able to accommodate this. And then how does the nervous system accommodate it? Which it does, as you say. I, I, 
I think Porges is starting to talk about cascades more. And so, you you know, everyone, I don't think it's his fault too that everyone just takes and runs with it and puts it into a left brain mode. You know, you can only be in this one at this time on this and this. It's like it, it's, it's a constant um, choreography of all of these different states. And it's not just like the vagus nerve is operating on its own. It's chatting to all the organs. It's having input from the whole body and the environment all of the time. There's this, this flux that we're in. Um, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a thing to behold. I just think there's an issue with the hierarchy thing. You know, yep. it's just the social engagement mode as portrayed, you know, e.g. specifically like eye contact, smiling, all of that, episodic yes. voice. You know, of course we need that. It's lovely. You know, it's lovely. We need, we need to be in that space. But man, we need to be in that deep, like, you know, you're just right down in, in, in this sensation and this sense of being. Where you're connected to everything, or or you you're in that space that will cause ideas to unfold, or that you feel that connection to a tree. You are not smiling at the fucking tree, you know. You're just not. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're no, no. <laughs> well, you might be, but you shouldn't be, because then you're not doing it right. <laughs> well, I just think it's it's something else. It is it is definitely yeah. something else. And you know, and and you know, I mean, I'm just going to say it. Sex is not very ventral vagal. So I mean, you might smile. You might, but you probably don't most of the time. Do you know exactly. Yeah. I'm sorry, but like these are the deep connections that we have that, that actually don't fit into this thing, which is apparently our most highly um, developed thing. I think it's, just, no, it's not most highly developed. It's very important. And, and, yes. and for me, as somebody that probably doesn't, um, you know, spend as much time as I could and would benefit from spending more time in, in, in the... Um, in the ventral vagus thing you're very very helpful i'm life-changing i just thought well okay so probably just more friendliness in my life would would be the key but but i worked with that for a while and i thought well actually no that's 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 a key a very useful one but but now i kind of see the other thing like the the the, the less i don't have enough sympathetic energy actually yes you yeah know, i'm liking that and, and for me my sympathetic energy tends to be more in fight or flight you know, so so like, okay, I need to discover the wonders of this thing, this thing of being actually, you know. And to be fair, that yes. that's with a nuance of social engagement, a bit more smiling, you know. But 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 then I need the bigger piece is 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 the basis of this dorsal vagus thing, and I think you know that. To me, if I was if I was going to choose one, I would say that's the one because it's it's turning it on its head, right? Because the basis is the priority if you don't have a basis nothing else works so well, if, if one of them it's going to be it's going to be the the most important one i'd say is the dorsal vagus the heart of the polyvagal theory is those things go offline first the, the the system under duress turns that stuff off first it's unnecessary and or puts you in danger like your social engagement system it's it's a layer on top you know you fundamentally all your energy goes into your core which develops first and so it's 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 a layer and if you go back and you look at an embryo and how it changes from a i'm making this up but you know a jellyfish to a shark to a frog whichever way we do all these different amphibious things and there's a knowing and an intelligence at every stage of that and that's our core and we grow on top of that and grow on top of that and we have our shark things and then we still have them all in our skull but they get layered over 
and and so the the social engagement system is our latest layer it's just we love a hierarchy model because our brains have been wired like that for far too long but it's stupid it's rubbish the best fun i had when i was creating my course was i found this guy talking about the cranial nerves in the head um and he said it and if you have a look at a picture all of them it's an utter mess in there and that is he was going it's a complete mess in there it just looks ridiculous but I worked out I sat up in the middle of the night and I worked out it's like a New York building an old hundred year old New York building with the electrical wiring and the first year all this gets done and it makes sense but then the next 10 years later someone comes in and puts a new layer of new wiring and then over 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 100 years it doesn't make any sense because it hasn't you know it's just been added to and added to and that's what we're like that's what we're like inside and that's the polyvagal theory but it was so much fun for me because it you can't take it all too seriously for starters it, we're a we're layer upon layer but i absolutely agree with you but this the central point is that um that power in the middle and that knowing being that that grew and has always been yeah the other stuff's like to be used as you will or can like my face goes offline all the time i just i just can't care too much anymore i use so much energy trying to make it work (laughs) and then if it does it's great so that's cool. I just, yeah, I wanted to, to uh, go back to your, um, again, to the, the, your reference to the theological thing, um, and maybe um, unconditional belonging. Yeah. It's funny, there's, there is a theological thing um, about um, a, a Greek word for justification. And that, you know, in, in Christian circles, that's been the source of lots of kind of rock solid theology and lots of kind of feverish debate and so on. The interesting thing is if you, if you, uh, if you dig around in it, it can mean two things and really it changes everything as to which one you emphasize because the first one is like a law court. So that if I've been justified and there's an idea that you can be justified by faith, that's a Christian theology thing. Um, then I basically got off scot-free, you know, I was guilty as charged, but now I've been, um, well, actually I might not be guilty as charged and maybe found that I wasn't guilty. But the idea of justification by faith is you might have been guilty as charged, but you've been forgiven for some reason. Somebody's paid your debt or, I know there's various different ways of thinking about it. But it turns out that that's not even the main meaning of that word. The, The main meaning is belonging. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the justified or the righteous are not the ones that never did anything wrong. They're the ones that are actually part of. So if you've been justified, it means you've been made part of. And, and, and then the idea that there's a mechanism for that, which, you know, you don't, you don't have to dig into Christian theology to, 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 to look at it, but like, cause, cause it's, it's right here in this conversation. But, but the idea in Christian theology is that the you know, God of love comes to you and says, here I am and I welcome you and I forgive you or, you know, you, you belong and you go, yes. <laughs> you don't do anything. You just go, wow, yeah, I accept that. That sounds good to me. I'll come in then. You know, yeah. it's, like, it's like come and have a hug and you go, yes. Okay, therefore you are having a hug. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's justification by faith. along this. And, of course, it's right here in this conversation we're talking about. 
that as soon as we, we allow ourselves to move down to the core and to believe that the world is, is a place of welcome and belonging and our bodies are and other people's interpersonal space that we are part of is also, we're justified by faith. I love it. It, 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 it just makes things so simple. Um, As opposed to, I have to justify my existence, which is what we're taught. The total opposite, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you, you, you don't belong, but you might yes. if, if yes. you fulfill these criteria. And yeah. sadly, we're not able to specify the criteria. <laughs> it's, a bit like, it's a bit like the castle. I don't know if you've ever read Franz Kafka's The Castle. or No, not The Castle, The Trial. So he's on trial, never finds out what he's on trial for, never finds out what the legal process is, never finds out if there's a way that he could argue his innocence because he's never told and eventually he's killed. You know, so the, the trial is, a, is an excellent summary of this dilemma. <laughs> an excellent summary, summary of the human dilemma, isn't it? I mean, how, how many people feel like that for most of the day? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so bringing it back to therapy again, what what you want to avoid in therapy is that mentality of digging till you get the right answer and then it will be okay. And then you get a tick. Yeah. And I, it's there that you want to make some space in there for people so that there's a sense of belonging at every point and every stage and a trust in the wilderness of your own being to know where it's going and, and an innate or, or teach that it, there is an innate, um, capacity for healing and knowing that isn't um that justify yourself will we'll get there tick of approval get clean socks or something i don't know it's really subtle <laughs> yeah that's funny so you have to really like yourself or no you have to not mind all your faults you have to have that level of belonging for yourself. I think it's it's sort of hard one, and you don't have it every day. But but I, for my work, I find I have to bring that into the space. So nothing matters. You have yeah. to, you have to, you know, be be pretty easy with your own fallibility, and then leave it, leave it at the door. Yeah. Because that gives the other person an enormous amount of grace. And that's belonging. Yeah, it is belonging. I mean, it makes me think of, um, I got tied up in knots a few years ago trying to uh, make it with a, with a band, like a, a music band. <clears throat> and it was such a treadmill. I was like, yeah, no, we've got to push. We've got to make this happen. We've got to, you know. I mean, I was horrible to work with, but if people were late or made mistakes. And <laughs> um, <clears throat> but also, I just got sick of it. I just thought, I hate this. I actually don't want to do this anymore. So I stopped. And then um, my whole kind of foraging journey emerged out of the space that created, which was very cool. Um, but <clears throat> a friend of mine who I kind of got to know in that kind of local music scene um, really kind of um, turned that around for me because he invited me along to a little session. So a few years later, I'd hardly touched my guitar since. And, and it's just a little folk session. Um, and that was the beauty of that. There was, there, was, there was such a belonging there, but integral to that belonging was the fact that people would, would forget the words or make a mistake or, <laughs> but the point is some of the best performances 
were in the same song as the person completely fluffed it up and started again. And that's that. <clears throat> and funnily enough, there was a bit of a reunion for that on Saturday night. And, um, you know, I'd worked on this solo with, with my mate Roly, who'd been the one that brought me along to that and absolutely redeemed my music. You know, all of a sudden this was not about performance and it was totally about belonging and people really hearing each other and, 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 and so on. So we had this gig with th three, three of the people that used to go to that session, the pubs now have restaurants, so we can't go there anymore. <laughs> like we were in this little village hall in the middle of nowhere doing this gig. And I practiced with this solo with, with Rolly and completely fluffed it up. <laughs> just, and, and there was loads of other people there, you know, it wasn't our little safe holy huddle, you know, um, in, in, in the old Fordwich Arms. There was loads of people we'd never met. Um, but to me, I was in that space. So I totally fluffed this solo. And it was like a good 30 seconds of fluffing. <laughs> couldn't I just couldn't find what we'd rehearsed. And, it was just, and, and I just found myself laughing. And I just thought, <coughs> that's great. We've got this. We've managed to take this space out in public, you know, that it doesn't matter. You know, um, yeah, that, it's what it's for. Yeah. It's the act, not the performance. It's the connection, not the performance. Because otherwise you're justifying yourself. Okay, yeah. I can only be listened to if it's this. Yeah, yeah. I'm only, I only have a right to exist if. But a jellyfish doesn't feel like that. It just is. Just is. Hmm. Cool. I've got, I draw all my little cartoons and um, I did this one while I was teaching my six week course um, of a mermaid. So I've got, you know, you get really good at deep diving and you're really good at that, but we're also going to teach you how to just come and sit on a rock and sit in the sun for a little while. You don't have to stay there for ages, but you might want to get good at drying your hair and then you can go back down and have a nice swim again. So, Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much more comfy. Be where you need to be. All right, well, um, I think that might be a good place to stop. It's really nice to talk to you again. I think we've yeah. done okay with neither of us having had any sleep. Yeah, no, we've done all right. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I, I kind of figured we would in the same way because I, I was a bit worried, like you were when you woke up, except I've been awake for longer um, and had two hours of dentistry. But um, I figured we'd go lower so yeah. it wouldn't matter so much if my brain wasn't working properly, if you, if you know what I mean. And yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's been really lovely. Let's, let's talk again soon. Awesome. It was really nice to see you. Talk soon. Bye.